Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let me begin reading Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and, uh, and let's begin to uh, see what God is saying to Calvary from this passage of Scripture. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four streams that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit was flowing through as they went from the day of Pentecost. This 242. We're, we're really diving into this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 45, the, as there was need, they would sell their possessions and goods and give to anyone as he had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Just an amazing, an amazing uh, launch of the church. It was supernatural, was effective and powerful. Uh, there was a word culture that immediately developed. They were, they were honoring the word of God. There was a prayer culture that immediately developed. Prayer was part of their individual and corporate life. There was this relationship and fellowship culture that, that really defined that early church. They met together in, this, in the mass gathering, 3,120, and it quickly went to 5,000 men and their families. And, and you have to understand that that was such a large segment of that city. They would meet in these powerful corporate gatherings and then from house to house. Did you notice here, uh, as, as Austin shared with us, what's happening in Germany? Did you see Acts 2.42 and all of that? Did you see these principles going, meeting the house churches and, and the launch and how this is going? This is a biblical principle. It's not a good idea. It's a God idea. How many hear what I'm saying? So let's look at this. What, what's the setting? Well, we read in Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church. This church this was, was birthed. In a Holy Spirit fire baptism. How many heard what I just said? That, that should be the, the, the atmosphere where God births something. If, if you and I are believing God to do something new in our life, if you need something new in your home, if you need a touch of God in your marriage, if we're praying for prodigal sons and daughters to come to Christ, if we need to restore, be restored to our first love, here's the biblical pattern where life is launched. In, in this, this church was birthed in, in the atmosphere of a Holy Spirit fire baptism. It launched this church. It, it was uh, launched, by the way, in a prayer meeting. The church was launched in a prayer meeting. If we're looking for new seasons, we need to be in prayer. How many can say amen about that? Not only was the church launched in the fire of the Holy Spirit... In the midst of a prayer meeting, it was a prayer meeting that had lasted 10 days. Come on, somebody say amen to that. You know, somebody said, uh, you know, why did the pastor have to start wearing glasses? It was because he wore his eyes out looking for people at prayer meetings. Anyway, so, uh, you know, what we need to birth, 
in the American church is a prayer culture. Come on, a prayer culture. Can you imagine today in America or anywhere else if we said, we're starting a prayer meeting. Everybody say, yes, pastor, I'm going to be there. When does it start? On Monday. No, man, what time Monday? Well, it's not what time. We're starting Monday. Well, when's it going to be over? Ten days later. Um, I'll watch online. <laughs> I, I'll come in and out. I, okay, let me go on. Before, I don't want to lose you before I get started. So here's this culture that, that released this launch of the church that is around the world today. The, the, the first sermon was preached. The first altar call was given. 3,000 people answered the altar call. Their lives were radically changed. Like the young lady you heard Austin talk about today. There was a, this was a transition. Think about that. We're, this is year 40 for Calvary. 40 is a year of transition. It's a number of moving from one season to the next. It's going from where you've been prepared into the promises that God has been preparing you for. Transition. These believers, they were all Jewish in the upper room. They were predominantly all Jewish by, nature, by religion and Hebrew by race when the church launched. And so all they knew was the law. Moses, the old covenant. But a transition happened on that day. Something dynamic happened. Acts 2.42, this 2.42 vision that we're sharing, this is not for dead, dry religion. It's for transition into life. What was happening there? They, this transition, they moved from law to life. They moved from the letter to the spirit. And now he says, as they're born again, the word of God, the, 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 the directions, the commands were written on their hearts by the Holy Spirit. See, there's something different about trying to obey God. There's something different about trying to do it and having God stamp it on the nature of your heart. How many heard what I just said? There's something about trying to do what's right. That's why people don't like to go to church that aren't born again because they're trying to do it on their own. How many of you ever went to church before you were saved? Tell the truth. And you sat there and wonder, what is going on in here? Huh, right? You wonder, why are they so happy? I mean, I, this is the most boring, hard, ineffective thing I've ever tried to do. But when you meet Jesus and the Spirit of God enters your life and the Word is stamped on your very nature, instead of me trying to do it, I am who He said I'm supposed to be. There's a transition. That's where 242 is important when life has come in. See, it was a Holy Spirit-enabled transformation, a word culture, a prayer culture, a relationship culture. But the question is, let's be honest. As we read this, was that good 2,000 years ago? Does it work today? Is this same thing we're reading that radically uh, impacted the known world, was that good then, but is it good now? Is it relevant for today? Does it happen for where we are? Man, we're, we're in a place... That none of us have ever been in before right now. We're 18 months into a pandemic. We went through a year last year that, that like no one had ever been through. No one living had ever been through what we went through last year. No one. And now it looks like we're having round two of this stuff. We were it's unprecedented time. Last year, uh, so, so how do we respond to that? How do we respond? So it's not just enough to have a theory. Does this work right now? Does this work in a pandemic? Does this work 18 months into this thing? 
Last year, social justice issues flared in our nation. And, and, and it was time those should be dealt with. But how do you deal with it? You see, how do we do that? It's time for those things to be dealt with. How do we do that? How does the church... Uh, we, we read here, they met in the temple and they met from house to house. That's not just a, a good idea. That's a God idea. And so what we're saying is, God, living in pandemic, living in social justice time, well, what do we do now? With, with the, now we have Afghanistan. Now we have the revitalization of terrorism. We thought ISIS was gone and now there's ISIS-K. You know, we, we got hurricanes knocking on the Gulf Coast. How, do, how does our faith, how does what we believe, how does the Word of God, how does 242 work? That's what we need to understand. Is there an answer for what we're dealing with today? We, is, is there a God design? Is there wisdom for us in this moment? The church cannot afford to be going through the motions right now. We cannot be a museum talking about what was or just holding hands, hiding in a corner, hoping and praying for what might be. We had better be the church, alive and well and anointed, letting everything God did do it now through a relevant group of people who know how to live for him in this day. See, there was another, this, this Acts 2 was a transition, just like our 40 year. I believe that God is anointing Calvary, preparing Calvary, aligning Calvary. Pastor, why are we not doing 9 and 11? Because we believe there's a mandate. We're going to, we're going to line up with this, uh, this flow. I believe it is an alignment for a present day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in one place in one accord where, where one flame is going to fall on us. Amen. And then we're going to take that to our homes, to the marketplace, to our schools, and, 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 and continue to flow in this thing God's doing. First Chronicles 12.32. I, I want you to get the sense of timing with this 2.42. This is, we're not just going through a series. It's a prophetic word. First Chronicles 12.32. We got that? It, it says that there, there was a transition from Saul, the K- King Saul, to King David, the man after God's own heart. And as the nation was transitioning to him, we went through the 12 tribes and it gave each of their strengths what they were bringing to David's army. But this tribe had a unique weapon. It wasn't a sword or a shield. It was an understanding. It said this, men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. There is a weapon that God is unleashing in the church right now. That is not a physical weapon like a sword or a shield, but a discernment Holy Spirit revelation that we understand the times and we know what we're supposed to be doing right now. How many are with me? That's a, that's a word of timing. It was a weapon that this tribe uniquely brought to the transition. See, what we have to understand, church, is the greater the assault against authentic Christianity. We're, we're dealing with that. The greater the assault against authentic Christianity, and I want you to remember, please hear me, we don't have a martyr complex around this church. We don't have a poor me complex. We're not looking for a place to run and hide. We're not going to run up in the hills or or, or go off and start a commune. There, There is an assault against true authentic Christianity. But this is what we know. 
It's not our time to back down, be quiet, give up, or go away. It's our time to stand up and project the gospel of Jesus and allow that light to shine. Why? Because John 10.10, if I need to remind us of it, what does it say? John 10.10 says, there is a thief who has come. And all that the people know about the thief, because the only thing he's trying to do to this nation and the nations of the earth is to steal and to kill and destroy. But I've got some really good news for every nation of the earth and North Alabama and where we are. There is a thief on the loose, but there is a Savior who's come to give life and give it more abundantly and give it to the full. And so the harder the devil fights, the brighter our light shines, the darker the destruction come the brighter the answers shine that's who we are so is there an assault against authentic Christianity yes there is but it's not intimidating us we are ready and positioned to face it to see it in God's word let, let me remind you of John 16 31 you need to hear this you need to remember see we're eyes are our eyes are wide open we're ready we're positioning for our greatest day see what is 1633 I've told you these things Jesus said why? So that in me you may have peace. How many are thankful for peace? Peace. Why? He says, in this world you'll have trouble. Do you ever meet that Christian that thinks if you have enough faith and you hold your jaw just right and you have the, you know, Tony Willis study Bible and you have, you're a member at Calvary, come on, and you do everything just right, you'll never have any trouble. Have you ever... Talk to some people, you kind of get that feeling. Never had some people make you feel like, well, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't have had any trouble. If you, you know, if you'd done it just right, you'd never deal with an issue. Jesus said, we're going to have some bumps in the road. Everybody with me? Now, we're not a bump in the road church. A lot of people stop right there. Come on, you understand? You ever been to that thing? It's going to be hard. The devil's going to be after you every day. You're going to barely make it. You ever heard that kind of stuff? You know, Well, you know, if the devil catches us, he's going to wish he didn't. <laughs> you know, if the devil's after me, he may catch me. If he does, we're going to have a fight. The devil catches you, he, he came to the wrong house. Because if the devil knocks on my house, I don't answer the door. I send the Holy Spirit. Go get the door, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Go get the door, blood of Jesus. <laughs> okay. So he says, we're going to have some trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So see, our mindset while we're in this crazy time that's going on is not a martyr. It's not fear. It's not giving up. It's not going back. It's not blaming God for what the devil's doing. We know there are going to be some issues, but we have the God who has already gone before us and said, I didn't say will. I what? I've already got it. I got you. I've got you. I've overcome this thing. Come on, that's who we are. So the more we see our culture shift, listen to me, the harder we lean into the Word of God. Come on, we lock down on that anchor of the Word. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to shift. 
We're not going to give in. We're not going to say, well, you know, it's 2021. I don't care if it's 22,000. We're going to stand on the Word of God. We're going to lock in on that Word. We're going to lean in on that Word. That's going to be the foundation of who we are and what we do. If you come back next year at Calvary, we're going to be in the Word. If you come back 20 years from now at Calvary, we're going to be in the Word. If God lets me live 40 more years, it'll be something. But if He does, I'm going to be preaching the Word. Why? Because that's the church. We're leaning into the Word. It's a Word culture. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Now, there's one verse that everybody cherry-picks out of this passage here about making sure you go to church. But instead of just doing that, let's look at the context here, all right? Hebrews 10, 19. We're looking at this 242, meeting in the temple and from house to house. The validity, the power of both. It's not an either-or. How many heard what I just said? If you're biblically balanced, or you're listening to your pastor, if you're biblically balanced, if you're on the foundation, there is the gathering and the house. There is the large and there is the small. Your, your life group could be at your workplace, in the marketplace, at school. It could be, but, but there's this biblical pattern of gathering and then meeting intentionally in smaller gatherings where life flows. Well, let's look at Hebrews 10 and verse number 19. Let's look at this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. I could, boy, this is a week's teaching these verses, but let me go. So what is the start? Because of the blood of Jesus, because we're made righteous in Christ, we can come confidently to the presence of God. How many are thankful for that today? I don't have to go earn it, explain it, defend it. I come in the blood of Jesus. Come on, amen. I can come with confidence because of what Jesus has done. So watch this. He says, verse 20, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. Remember the heavy curtain, the veil that separated the holy of holies. No one could go in to the visible manifestation of God, but the high priest only one day a year. But he said through the blood of Jesus, we have access to the very presence of God. We don't have to wait once a year. We don't have to pray through a priest. We don't have to have somebody go for me. I walk straight into the holy of holies in the name of Jesus by the blood of Jesus. How many are thankful for that today? He sees. He's talking about our individual access to the presence of God. Every one of us access to the presence of God. So he's reminding of that. Let's keep reading verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, what do we do? So what do we do? Verse 22, let us draw near to God. Let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, this we have access. What do you do when you understand Jesus made a way? You take the way. You go through the door. You draw near to God. He says, that's the privilege. So what happens when we do that? Verse 22, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. You know what happens when you draw near to God? Hope rises in your heart. Hope springs up inside of you. If you're without hope, you're, the, the antidote is more of Jesus. Go in the presence of God. Enter to the presence of God. Go in the name of Jesus. Seek the face of the Father. And hope starts springing up in you. Now, what does my personal access to God and the hope that it creates for me, what does that do in my regard to the other people around me? 
See, one thing you understand in, in the church, in the gospel, in the New Testament, it always starts with the individual, but it never stops there. How many heard what I just said? It has to be real in me first. But it's so real, so big, so good, so dynamic, it can never stop with me. You understand that? There was some old country song here not long, a few years ago, that said, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Well, if you and Jesus got something going, it's going to touch somebody else before this thing gets over with. Everybody with me? So watch this. He's just bringing us through. So we're drawing in the presence of God. This beauty, this privilege of personal access is creating hope in my life. And then what does he say? All right, verse 24. And let us consider. So it becomes my responsibility. Okay, watch it. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. Does it use that word spur here? Yeah, yeah, okay. Spur one another on to what? To love and good deeds. So what happens to me? I become, what happens to you? We, because of the presence of God in our hope, we become ambassadors of hope. We begin to get around people and say, hey, come on, man, you got this. Come on, I want to encourage you to, to love. I want you, and, and what? Good deeds. What is he saying? You know, he's literally saying, we need to encourage each other. Hey, man, do what God called you to do. Be who God called you to be. You can do this. You have this. Let me encourage you. Let's pray together. Let's have hope. You see that? That becomes my calling. I begin to be an ambassador of hope and encouragement. Everybody there. Watch this. And then verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together. Oh, did you get that? That's part of this process. If I really have my personal access to Jesus, if that really has created hope in my life, then what I begin to do is I go around and encourage. I say, hey, man, don't forget to come worship. Hey, hey, lady, don't forget to come worship. Listen, I want to help you. I want to encourage you. Don't get locked in. Don't get by yourself. Don't become separated. Don't get isolated. We're supposed to meet together. We need each other. Come on, show up. I'm looking for you. I want to see you. How many hear what I'm saying? That's not my responsibility. It's our responsibility. Everywhere we go, we should be saying to people, and let me tell you, it's never been more important because look at this verse. And let us, uh, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some people develop some bad habits. Why did it get quiet then? See, this pandemic has created some bad habits. Let's just tell the truth. There's some bad habits of people not meeting together anymore. Okay, let's keep reading. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. You see, it's encouraging to get together. It's encouraging to worship together. We need to encourage one another. But watch this. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know what he says? The closer we come to the return of the Lord, the more we should encourage each other. Hey, let's show up and worship. Let's get together and meet. Let's go to the temple and let's meet from house to house. Let's begin to get the body of Christ together. You know what the Bible says? The closer we come to the return of Christ, it's never been more important for the church together. It's never been more important for the church together. See, right now the devil, what does the devil do? He's about division. He's about isolation. He's about separation. Are you with me? The devil is always divide and conquer. The devil is always accused and abused. The devil is always after. That's his strategy. If you want to know what is Satan doing today, he's dividing people. He's separating people. He's trying to bring his garbage in the church and divide the body of Christ. 
He's trying to get us to look at each other like we never looked at each other. He's bringing the elements in. He wants to bring politics in the church. He wants to bring man's things in the church. He wants to bring racism in the church. He wants to bring fear in the church. He wants to bring mistrust in the church. The devil is always dividing, but God works in connections. He brings us together. You know how rare it is that I let anybody else help me preach. But I saw this and I thought it's too good not to share with you. So I, I want to show you this video clip. I, I think this is a word for the church. I almost preached a message today on the division that is existing in America right now. I'm not just talking about racial division. This is far beyond black and white. It went from, it, it, what, this is how you know it's a demon. Because it keeps moving. One year it's black versus white. One year it's brown versus green. One year it's this versus that. This year it's vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Y'all not going to help nobody. But I got an eye on this thing and I come to tell the devil today, I know what you're up to. I know what scheme you've got up your sleeve. I know what you're trying to do to the church of the living God. You're trying to keep us mad at each other, hollering at each other. We don't trust one another. We don't love one another. We've got anger in our heart and malice in our soul. And you don't love me because you didn't get vaccinated. And you don't love God because you got vaccinated. And you ain't got a mask on so you don't love your neighbor. And you got a mask so you don't have no faith shut up in the name of Jesus we are the body of Christ if you want to get a shot get a shot if you want to wear a mask get a mask but let God be true and every man be a liar zoom in on my face it doesn't matter how many times you invoke the name of Jesus if you ran from Facebook bashing on people into the church to shout unto God save your shout get to the altar repent of the malice and ask God to forgive it's time to stop the division. <laughs> I got to tell you, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody in my life say, shut up in the name of Jesus. I thought, is that awesome? I, I will, I, I can't play it again right now, but I've looked at it a lot. You shouted some, you couldn't hear it all, but we'll, I, I'll give you the link. You know, <laughs> that's the word. Division is the devil's calling card. And you know how you stop division? You get together. You know how you stop that foolishness? You sit down and talk to each other. You love each other. You do what God called you to do. Can you see how God is always ahead of the devil? The devil's strategy said, all right, I got this pandemic. Everybody, did it happen in Wuhan? Did it? I, I don't know where it happened here on earth, but I think it started down in hell. See, the devil's behind this mess. And so he's using it any way he can. And the good news for you and I is that long before the devil thought, hey, I'm going to bring division. God said, I've already got a 242 to put them together on this thing and let the church be the church. So we're in a place making a strong statement saying, God, we've had life groups at Calvary. We've had small groups for years. But we're going to reestablish our commitment to the word of God in your pattern. We are going to do it. Can I tell you something? We all need to make some connections. We all need to set some patterns. Our kids need to see us 
praying and fellowshipping with one another. Our children, you know what's happened to the church? We're so convenience oriented. We said, well, I, before I go to a small group, I got to know what are you going to do with the kids? Well, maybe before you're worried about your babysitter, you ought to be worried about the, 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 the picture, the influence you're leaving on your kids that they saw you go somewhere and sit down and read your Bible and pray. Come on, don't, don't leave me now. See, what we ought to do is begin to understand we're going to do what that word says. And we're going to meet together and make a statement. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. I, I thought you might enjoy that video clip. You see, what happens is this. Is that God wants us to do this. And, 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 and I'm, I'm almost through. I can just give you a couple of scriptures and I'll pick it up next week. But I want you to go to Ephesians 2, 19. Ephesians 2, 19. It is time for the church... To trust God's plan. Can somebody say amen to that? To do it the way God said do it. See, like I said, Ephesians 2, 19. We need to make some connections. And listen to me, guys. There is, you have some friends. I have some friends that have been overwhelmed in this season. That, that, that the cares of life, the pandemic, the issues we're facing have overwhelmed people. And they've disconnected. We need to help people make some new connections in our life. We need to, did you read Hebrews 10? That's to every one of us sitting here today. Every one of you listening to me today. What are we needing to do? We're needing to help people reconnect. We need to encourage one another to meet all the more since we see the day of the Lord coming. My friends, we never, yeah, of course we're closer to the return of the Lord than ever. Every day you live, you're closer. But when we look at the signs of the time, When we look at what's happening on the surface of this earth today, when we look at the aligning of the nations and the wars and the rumors of wars and and the things that are going, I'm telling you, we are having a front row seat at the day setting it up for the return of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says when you see that, you should gather like you've never gathered. You should encourage like you've never encouraged. Everybody with me? Read Hebrews 10. What did we see? It's our time to say, I'm connecting. It's our time to say, I'm encouraging. It's our time to say, I'm drawing near to the Lord and I'm going to bring somebody with me. How many heard what I just said? I'm going to renew my pre- the presence of God and I'm going to make sure I've got everybody with me in that circle. More than ever while we see the day of the Lord coming. Ephesians 2, I love this, beginning in verse number 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. How many are thanking God that in this day and time we're in the family? Amen? We're not foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Look at this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Look at verse 21. In him, in Christ, the whole building, the church, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, you and me, in him, you too, what? Are being built together. But what happens when the church comes together? What happens when we allow the Lord to connect our lives and put us together? This is what God's building. What is it? In him, You two are being built together to become a dwelling, not a visitation, but a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. As God's people gather together, God dwells in that place. As we make connections, God makes 
contact. As we make connections, God shows up in those moments. As we make connections, the presence of God grows and develops. I want the worship team to join me. I want you to stand, not leave, but stand. We're going to pray together before you go. Come on, stand. Everybody, please join me. Let's stand. Can you see the validity of Acts 2.42? Can you see how right on this thing is? Can you see, Calvary, that as we align ourselves with what God is saying and doing, that our hope and our anticipation for the glory of God has never been greater than it is right now? Here's what I want you to see. What did God say? Let me read it to you again. Look at this. He says this verse. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in. See that? There's something in the midst of. We are a dwelling, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I want to live in the presence of God. Anybody want to live in the presence of God? That's never been more real to me than during this last year. As Phyllis and I have prayed for you daily. Psalm 91. And I've got it memorized by now. And it begins in that first verse. And it says, he that dwells in the shelter of the most high. Ha, he's the most high. Nobody's coming over. Ha. Nobody's coming over the top. Nothing's slipping over to get you and me. Why? Because I'm dwelling, dwelling, dwelling in the shelter. One translation refers to the Holy of Holies and says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. My God, in the secret place. I, you go to work in the secret place. Come on. You go to school in the secret place. I live in my home in the secret place. And yet the Bible says that when I get together with you, there is something there. A spiritual building that God lives in by his spirit. It's powerful. And here's the good news for us. We go back to Haggai when they were trying to rebuild the physical temple. And the Bible, God gave them a promise. When you rebuild, when you reconnect, when you reestablish and reaffirm. It says some of the people that had seen the former temple that Solomon built wept and cried. Because what they were building in this one didn't look just like that one. But God said, I want to give you a promise. Now listen, I want to challenge some of us. I've, I've been at this a while, so nobody can get ruffled. Nobody's been here longer than I have. Now we got some wonderful folks in this room. We're, we're going to honor them here. You're going to see, see them some in the next few weeks. Who started with, with Phyllis and I and family in the storefront. Man, they're, they're you know, I don't know what I say, but they're my partners. You understand? I mean, I love them like, oh, respect them. Let me tell you, let me tell you, they gave this, you know, wet behind the ears, green, snotty nose, pastor a chance. You don't think that means something to me? I used to go home sometimes on Sunday and say, dear God, nobody's coming back. I didn't do very good. I hope somebody will come back. They kept coming back. Thank you. I love you. I honor you for that. I want to tell you something right here. I want you to understand this. Nostalgia. Nostalgia is not the same as revival. What does that mean? Well, in other words, God can move right now and not be the same song you got blessed on. Don't shout me down. What does that mean? It means I don't have to wear the clothes I was wearing in a revival back here. It doesn't mean I got to have the same chairs or pews or building wherever it first happened for me. See, there was a crowd weeping. Oh, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't look the same. 
But God said, if you let me build a house, if you let me get you together, if you'll line up with my word and get this thing going, this is what God said he's going to do. He said, it may not look like the way it looked and it may not sound like the way it sounded, but my glory, the glory of the present will be even greater than the former. And I want to go on record saying as a pastor of this church, I'm not locked into what it looked like, sounded like, felt like. If I can get more glory, bring the glory. Build the house you want to build. Do it the way you want to do it. You don't have to do it my way. You don't have to do it by the what I like. Just do it, God. Just get us together because the promise, are you with me? The glory of this house will be greater than anything that you ever had before. I'm living and believing for a right now glory bigger, greater, stronger than ever before. That's why we're here. God, we're here for your glory. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.